Is there a song to sing for Willow? Willow. No. I whip my hair back and forth. I whip my uh, hair back and forth. I whip my hair back and forth, etc. Yeah. No, I think that's just it for like another like four minutes and yeah. five seconds. Hey, uh, uh, hey there. Welcome to Your Inner Child's Nidia. Me? This is the podcast where we look back on things from childhood and uh, see if they're any good. I'm DJ. Hi, I'm Damon. It's good to see you. I mean, you were just walking by, so why don't, we, why don't we record a podcast? I was walking by. I already had the, the headphones on. I was already carrying a mic stand that was somehow <laughs> hooked up to your system. Yeah. Why not sit down for a bit? It's all Bluetooth these days. <laughs> you know, today we're talking about Willow for some Willow. reason. <laughs> Willow. There's not many times that I will question you on mic, but why are we doing this movie? I'm so glad you asked. One, it's one of those movies that I've probably seen just a handful of times, but I quote a lot more than I've oh seen. Oh my god, it. really? Yeah. Okay. And you know who the responsible party is? Shay. Shay. Okay. He quotes this movie. Shay is my boss, but also a friend, and he quotes this movie an odd number of times. Really? Uh, there are two lines he quotes. I think I'll save it for the second half okay. so we can discuss them then, but they are odd ones to quote. The think- second one's odder to quote. I just quoted the one, which is Willow, which is an old woman <laughs> who's been turned into a goat. How do you she even says quote that in name. normal conversation? <laughs> she says his name, and... um. That's the name of the movie, so you always remember that line. Willow. Okay. Willow. The second line, when Shay whipped that one out, I was like, what? Is that from Willow? <laughs> it was a very weird moment. Um, but look, when I was a kid, okay. fantasy movies were few and far between. True. And I you're mean, a big Lord of the Rings guy. I'm a big as, Lord of the Rings guy. If we haven't established that already. <laughs> and, I mean, you would usually get, like, at least one sci-fi movie a year. Yeah. At least. Um, in the wake of Star Wars, especially. But fantasy, like, they tried it every few years and then it sort of tapered off for a long time. It was yeah. always weird. <laughs> Wasn't um, like because it's hard to establish. I think that fantasy is probably the hardest genre to really like do well. Yeah. And to fail is real easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're also doing this one because it came out the year after. The year after Princess Bride. And is that that I Twin guess in movies? I mean, I guess that's fantasy. Princess Bride? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I don't put it in the same category. There are rodents of unusual size. Yeah, you're right. There's a fire swamp. That's there true. are two countries that do not exist. Well, yes. Uh, There's a miracle m- wizard. It's true. All right. Okay. Carol King. I think I think the twin movieing of this with Princess Bride is a stretch, but I really like Princess Bride, so I'm gonna allow it. And, and uh, let's just have the lawyers check on that. They gave me a thumbs up. Thank you. They said twin uh, movies. Why are you calling us? It's your podcast. Do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> There's no legal no you know, bar. You have to clear. <laughs> Even if people get mad at you, you're still gonna say I don't care. So <laughs> why don't you just do I it? I really don't. Um, but okay. be sure to follow us on Twitter and you know write to yeah. us about anything. And I give us you money. Patreon.com slash yeah. has an idiot. Um so And then go fuck yourself. <laughs> Toss off, you pissed up wanker. Oh, good job. Thank you. I've been watching a lot of extras in the office. British colloquialisms. Uh uh so Val Kilmer's in this? Right? Oh yeah. And this is a George Lucas joint? 
This is a George Lucas produced, produced joint. joint. Ron Howard directed oh, Ron joint. Ron Howard joint. Okay. Um, is this before? Fact, Ron Howard used to call his movies joints. And is then this? he lost a bet to Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. That's where Spike Lee got it originally. You have Warwick Davis. No. Warwick you have Davis, yeah. The woman who played Scarlett O'Hara in the TV movie sequel of Gone with the Wind, Scarlett. Okay. Okay. So. You uh, also have the woman who was the villain in Return to Oz. She is oof. in this as well. Okay. Um, head full rather than headless this time around. Is this, was this one of Ron Howard's like first big directorial things? Like it wasn't until the nineties until I realized that he was directing things, but that was also when you were like, like, Hey, that guy in the reruns on Nick at night, he's directing now. Yeah. He directed the space movie. I mean, that was also when I started being like, directors are people. <laughs> I mean, other than like Spielberg, I didn't know right. who anybody was. Um, um, I'd have kid, to look that up. I don't know where this, I, I would imagine this is probably one of his earlier films. Yeah. Um, what? And George Lucas worked with him on American Graffiti. So maybe he's okay. like, hey, I got this idea for a fantasy movie. Why don't you direct it? Okay. Ginger. I'm and going Ron to- Howard was like, stop calling me that. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, Stop bullying me when you're asking me to do you a favor. <laughs> and George Lucas like lit another cigar off a pile of money. He said, "I don't ask for favors anymore." That's sweet, sweet Kenner <laughs> money. Oh yeah, he lit it off of a Luke Skywalker action yeah. figure. But it was the one with like the. It was the, the one where it doesn't really look like him, and he's like really blonde, yeah. not the sandy blonde, but the super the blonde Owen one. Wilson <laughs> blonde. Um, I don't think I've ever actually seen this. I know what it is. Like I, <laughs> good, it's going to be a film. I mean, I I knew it existed, picture? and I knew that Warwick Davis was in it, but that's that's it. I I probably haven't seen it in ten years. I have seen it multiple times. Always, it's one of those movies I've never owned. I've only yeah. caught it in pieces on like TBS. Am I going to hate this as much as the Neverending Story? The Neverending. How much did you hate the Neverending Story? <sighs> Um, are that, we like ten? Ten being the most hated. Yeah, sure. Or know. we can do like five chickens, whatever you want to do. Five chi- out of five chickens, I don't know, like a three. I guess I didn't hate it that much. Wow, that's actually. I'm I actually hate- disappointed by how few chickens. Well, the problem there with are. that is it like this is the uh, kind of the whole thing we get into this a lot on this podcast is like the weight of people saying you you haven't seen or don't oh like you haven't thing. seen willow yeah nobody says that so <laughs> i think the, the expectation is going to be more like yeah that was fine or that was bad and there's no weight of like i can't believe you didn't like willow right well it's, this is not a comedy like uh right. princess bride strives to be right so if that's in your mind right now fucking kick it to the curb that's not going to be happening okay I th- um uh, you got the, warwick davis he's pretty charming i do like I mean, I don't hate Warwick Davis. I don't know if I like him. I, he seems nice. Yeah, that's true. I guess I haven't seen a lot. I mean, I've seen... Uh, no, I guess... You've seen have Return seen? of the Jedi? Right, yeah. Uh, you've seen uh, Phantom Menace? What was he in that? He was like a bystander at the pod race. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, Answer the question, he was DJ. Like made have up, you seen... Made up like an alien. <laughs> Not really. Well, you like you could still tell like right away. But he was like had like a like, must. He was like weird looking. He had like, like weird hair. I think. Weird yeah, hair. they were like, let's make him alien like yeah. weird hair done. Right, and you're going to be wearing tatters. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Solo: colon, A Star Wars Story, possibly reprising his role from from was, Phantom Menace. What was he in that? Someone. You don't know. 
Did oh, you did you see it? See it? Yeah, I, saw I saw it. it yeah, he played uh, one of the like the guys at the end. You thought they were like these bad raiders, but it turns out they were like freedom fighters. He was one of them. Okay, yeah, I vaguely remember that. At the, yeah, that's my take on Solo, a Star Wars story yeah, in general. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. the only thing I remember is the parsecs work around. <laughs> Otherwise, then, that's all I got. I don't have a family. I guess so your I guess name's Solo. Solo. Oh, and this blaster that you never thought should even have a backstory? Yeah. You didn't even know that Han Solo only had one blaster? Well, here's the backstory to the blaster. I'm like, the, and yeah. I was like looking around, like, why do we care? Yeah. Um, oh, so but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Willow. Uh, Willow, not super available on the streaming <laughs> sites. Uh, it's probably not legal, but it's up on right now, which is a very... It sounded like you said Smashville. It's, it's up a on very Smashville. popular video it's like playing streaming Predators. service okay. that you probably already use on a regular Two words? Basis. Two it's syllables? It's a portmanteau. Okay. <laughs> it's like... Not me, but... Okay, uh-huh, we, yes, go on, we... And your Eustachian... Cylinders? We cylinder, <laughs> okay. got it. Yeah, okay, uh, we're gonna watch Willow, and we'll be back in just a minute. Damon, let me tell you about patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Never heard of it. You can just go there. You can you can just go. You can just go there. Sign up by foot. Support the podcast. No, by web. like the heroes in this movie. You can by only foot? get there by surfing the web. Okay. All right. Text transfer protocol secure colon backslash backslash World Wide Web period Patreon period com- commercial yeah slash. Now is that a front slash or is that going to be a backslash again? Couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> You can support the podcast. Give a dollar. Uh, we'll write your name in the credits. We have uh, five dollars. We'll read your name in the credits. You're so, uh, you're so aloof give, in this uh, commercial. Uh, give uh, twenty dollars. We'll make you uh, uh, art. You'll make some art, or I'll make some music. Uh, give fifty dollars an episode, and go ahead. Give me a uh, feed me. What we'll give them? We will kiss you on the cheek in a platonic <laughs> fashion. You can uh, come over and uh, watch the movie with us for fifty dollars an episode. We uh, will not pay for your travel expenses. Yeah. But you will have the right to sit with us for $50. Some exclusions may Just, apply, like anything we come up with. Yeah. Uh, a lot of exclusions, some improvised. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Shows video. We just finished watching Willow. <laughs> uh, a movie from our childhoods. No. Um, and, uh, uh, okay, you want to, you, uh, you oh, synopsize no, this. You want no. me to do it? Oh, yeah, I think so. Why? <laughs> Why do you want me to do it? I just feel like it's the first se- the first act I've got. Yeah. Third act, I'm pretty clear on. I'm going to. Second act, kind of a fog. I'll be honest with you. The second act? The, the Two Towers act? portion of this film yeah. is where, much like the Two Towers portion of The Lord of the Rings, is where I get a little fuzzy. Um, okay. Broad strokes. Uh, 
There's I what love they, Broad Strokes Nelwyn? with Alana Douglas that what they're, and Abby Abby Jacobson on that, Comedy Central. Is that what their race is called? The Nelwyn? <laughs> They are called Nelwyn, yes. Nelwyn, they're definitely okay. not hobbits. Definitely right. not hobbits. They're called Nelwyn. They're diminutive race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warwick Davis is Willow, the titular Willow. <laughs> he and his his uh, family find a baby that is a like a human baby. It's not called human. They're called... You're right. Those? They're called a daikini. Daikini, which they're obviously, daikini. obviously. And they're like, we got to get rid of this. But then they find out that the, some evil queen uh, has been... She's after this baby, which is why the baby uh, ends up down the river. Um, There's a prophecy. Yeah, and the baby's going to take take her down. And so yeah. she Much like, I mean, it's basically the first chapter of Exodus. Right. Uh and so they find out that the evil queen's after this baby so they have to protect uh the baby. They're supposed to take it somewhere to this other wizard witch lady uh <laughs> on this island somewhere. Uh uh, cast of characters is assembled. DJ, DJ, I'm going to have to commandeer this recap. Oh, thank God. <laughs> pull was... over, pull over. <laughs> okay. While we have this break, before you start, uh, I, there were so you many, out of breath? There were so been, many names been doing going talking. through my head and they were all stupid and I didn't know what they yeah. meant. And then there was like these different races. There was Kellen. Kevin Pollock was a Lilliputian that was stupid and speaking in a weird. I think they're Spanish, called Brownings. Bad Spanish accent. Ooh. And uh, oh, man, it was exhausting. But go ahead. <laughs> Thank Let's you. Get back uh, to it. You are right. There is a prophecy. Uh-huh. Uh, you know what? Let's just start from the ground up. You oh. Know? <laughs> oh, we're gonna erase all of them. <laughs> okay, let's just start over. Um, so Recap this movie for us, there, Damon. There's an evil queen. She's a uh, bitch. She's she's a bitch. Um, She's she an evil is, queen, but it is K W E E N. There's a prophecy saying that a baby will be born. This is like King Herod, uh, first chapter of Exodus. There's a baby to be born. You're all familiar, I assume. <laughs> uh, there's a baby to be born that will usurp her powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she starts just bringing all the babies to the ca- or all the pregnant women to the castle, and you know, uh, checking their babies for you know prophetic marks. Uh, she finds one, but someone uh, scuttles it out of the castle under her nose. Um, and that woman, uh, before she's hunted down by some bison-looking dogs, um, she puts it on a little uh, uh, straw bed and floats it they're down like, river. They're like rat boar dogs, or as I like to call them, boar rat dogs. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Um, the baby is discovered by... Uh, Nelwyn children, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very hobbit, but for legal reasons, not hobbit-like uh, race of uh, little people who live in this land. Mm-hmm. The children are sired by uh, Warwick Davis's character, the titular Willow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, oh, we got to get rid of this baby because he's kind of uh, not respected in his community. Much like myself, I really identified with Willow. <laughs> He's a wannabe sorcerer, much like you. <laughs> he does uh, close magic, close-up magic, much like me. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to be a sorcerer in town. Um, he keeps the in baby town. under... He's supposed to be the town sorcerer, like you do. Go on. He sorry. keeps the baby under wraps, uh, but there's a celebration in town coming up. Where he would uh, be selected to be an apprentice. Mm-hmm. He wants to be selected to be the apprentice of the, the town 
sorcerer. He gets rejected, but uh, the baby the the baby is found out by the town, mm-hmm. and uh, they decide they need to get rid of this baby because the queen's looking for it, and they mm-hmm. send him on his way. The sorcerer uh, declares that Willow should go with a pack of other Nelwyn people. Mm-hmm. Um, to the crossroads, mm-hmm. which is, I think is where Daikini people live. So that they're like, we'll just find a Daikini person and give the baby to them. Well, they knew Bone Thugs and Harmony were going to be there. So they're like... Oh, at the crossroads. Right. Right. And so he said, I will consult the Bones. And I assume that that's where he got the crossroads from. Thugs and Harmony couldn't be here, but the Bones should be able to speak the for bones, all three. The Bones have spoken. <laughs> Uh, thank you, DJ. You're anyway, welcome. they get to the crossroads, and there's a man imprisoned there in like a little crow's nest cage. Little did they know it was the Britney Spears crossroads. So it was uh, completely because there yeah. she's not a girl, but she's not yet a right, Val Kilmer in a cage. Right. right. Um, and uh, the other uh, Nelwyn are like, "Oh, just give here's the first Daikini we found. Give it to him." And he's yeah. like, uh, "He's literally imprisoned. Why Probably would we give it guy. to this guy?" Yeah. Anyway, but then Willow's like, you know what? I want to go home, too. So uh, here you go. I'm going to release you from this prison and uh, peace out. And then he regrets the choice. Here's where I get fuzzy because now we're at act two. Okay. This is when Kevin Pollock arrives. <sighs> yeah. So. Which is the only reaction is a heavy sigh. The the uh, Willow and Migosh. Migosh. Not, Samwise Gamgee. Not, Definitely not Samwise Gamgee. Not Migas, the delicious Mexican breakfast dish. No. Me gosh. Uh, they, they're almost all the way home when, or they're halfway home or whatever, when uh, a bird being piloted by Kevin Pollock's character, they're like a Lilliputian. They're a tiny. They're tiny, tiny, like two inch inch tall. Inches tall. Yeah. uh, Race of people. And they're on a bird and they've kidnapped the baby. From From Val Kilmer. Off screen. And they come screaming through and then they, uh, Willow and Migosh chase them down, and then they get trapped. No, they get trapped in a very Gulliver's Travel way. They get tied yeah. down to the ground. But then, like, some forest spirit or something tells them, hey, let them go. Let Willow and Migosh go, and uh, they need to go consult with a witch. What's her name? Rizel? Uh Bill Frizzell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a reference I get. <laughs> Anyway, we're starting to get bogged down. They uh, they they take Kevin Pollock and other Browning little pu- little pu- Lilliputian character yeah. with them. They're supposed to be comic relief. Migosh is sent home. <laughs> Willow says, "Look, to me. look, Migosh, you don't have to come with me." And Migosh, kind of in a dick move, is like, "Thanks." He goes full anti Samwise Gamgee and is like, "Yeah, peace out. Good luck to you. Do you need any extra?" Uh, supplies? No? Cool? You're cool? I'm out. It's he's like, like there's it's like, like, like a cloud, a Migosh-shaped cloud. It's, he's like, <laughs> it's like when you reach for the bill and you, you do it slowly so that the other person can also reach for the bill and the other person doesn't. You're like, look, I was going to pay, but that's still like, come just, on. Come on. Yeah. Just fucking, just do like a casual reach. Offer to pay the tip or, or like, something. Sort of like touch your pockets just yeah. to show me that you're trying to make an effort. Thanks a lot, Migosh. Thanks so much. Anyway, they're instructed by some sort of forest spirit who had real bad, like, reverb going on. So it was hard to understand what she was instructing. 
Uh, and we watched this illegally on YouTube, so there was no, sorry, we cylinders. So there was no <laughs> way to get any closed captioning. Yeah. Um, could have anyway, used, used it for names at least. On ooh, this names and places. Yeah. Names and places. Uh, they're told to go to this small island where this witch lives. They get there. Val Kilmer, Willow, Baby, uh, and Lilliputians. The witch is now with some sort of muskrat. It's not important. They get She's kidnapped. She's transfigured into a, yeah. a, a Australian possum. I'm getting bogged down by the intricacies of this story. Dude, they, you don't have to tell me. I'm sorry. You don't I'm have sorry. to tell me. I understand. They get kidnapped by the queen's daughter, who is also the leader of her army, and some guy in a Skeletor cosplay costume. Yes. Uh, they uh, get taken, they're going to be taken to the queen, who wants to do a specific ritual on the baby, so that not only the baby will die. just kill the baby. That her spirit it. will be banished, so that the prophecy could never be foretold. So now the princess of the evil queen, Skeletor, has Willow, Val Kilmer, the little Lilliputians yeah. and the transmogrified good witch, uh-huh. Glinda. Let's call her Glinda. Sure. Uh, they've all been captured. And they're taken up the side of a mountain as on, on route to the witch's horribly located castle. Yeah. Uh, it's not gone flat land. It's in a, clearly in a floodplain. Oh, this is no good. Yeah. Uh, Willow and Mad Mardigan escape in a cool sort of sled chase way. It's not important. They're trying to go to the good witch's castle. They get there. There's a battle. Willow uses a wand. Oh my God. I can't, I can't keep keep up with this. Come on. I'm trying to do a short recap. There's trolls that have infested the castle. Willow has a magic wand given to him by the good witch at this point. He accidentally turns a troll into a giant, like, Skilla, like two-headed monster. Um, they defeat that, but uh, the evil queen's daughter, who I'll call evil princess, falls in love with Mad Mardigan at this point because she sees him being so dashing and killing her troops. Yeah, don't understand it. <sighs> oh and the problem Go is, on. like, when you get to this point, I realize, like, I'm not being vague enough. Or I'm being too vague. Like, I want to include fewer details simultaneously with more details. Well, I've even left out the part that Val Kilmer gets hit with a love dust that turns him into falling in love with Evil Princess. It's it's because just a lot of shit shit just happens, and it doesn't really propel the plot forward. I mean, it's all basically a battle. A battle happens. They fight a two-headed monster. They defeat a two-headed monster. The good princess, or the bad princess switches side. Now she's the good princess. Um, They go to the evil queen's castle at this point. Willow finally is able to transmogrify the good witch into her human human form. Uh, But the evil queen turns all the armies into pigs. Mm -hmm. The Odyssey. Um, uh, The good witch switches them back. So it was sort of a non-issue in the end. Um, And then we have uh, the the Good Witch and Willow go up to the tower where the ritual of baby killing, but Mm -hmm. also spirit Uh banishing is happening. The two witches fight. Uh, There's a battle raging outside. Mm, Unremarkable. The witches fight. Uh, the good witch is sort of incapacitated and Willow has to sort of take over. He uses his sort of like close up magic to trick her. Yeah. 
including his like makes the baby disappear. pig disappearing act that he showed in the first act. And uh, the witch is tricked and she's struck by lightning. Somehow she just dies. And she ascends into heaven. Yeah. Like Mary, queen of heaven. Uh-huh. Um, and Willow saves the baby, mm-hmm. uh, gives it to Mad Mardigan and good princess. Who are now in love. Who are now in love. And that's there's no consent issues there. Um, and Willow goes home On his where horse. he is given a hero's welcome. Yeah. By everyone who hated him in the first act. Uh-huh. So sort of a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sort yep. of sitch. Yep. Uh, I apologize. I try and keep the recaps that tight. That was not tight. but It was flabby. I think other than saying they tried to say the baby and eventually they do, I think you do it the best you could. Oh, and uh, my friend Shay, uh, his other favorite line is said, which is, Kaya! <laughs> which is... Willow's wife's name, which is what he screams several times throughout the movie. No wonder it's stuck with Shay. He says it uh, whenever she uh, grabs the baby. At least half a dozen at the, times. In the first act, in and the then at the act, end yeah. act, when he's coming home, he says it at least like six times. Yeah. Kaya! <sighs> okay. Let's... What do you want to do? You want to flip a coin? Bad things first or good things first? I mean, I don't really Do you want to end on a positive note or a negative note? I've got some positive things. I don't think I do. So You have no positive things. I mean, okay, yeah. Not a lick. I can start I can start with a positive thing. Good. Uh cute kid factor in this movie <laughs> is ten out of ten. It's a cute kid fest. We got his, uh Willow's kids who discover Yeah, uh, his his son and daughter or yeah, son and daughter are great. They're uh, dwarves, like uh, they're little people, yeah. and they are adorable uh, little kids. And then they find the 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 baby, the um, magical prophecy baby, Daikini baby, Daikini baby. Um, and although we found out later that the baby is played by multiple babies at which least makes sense i would estimate like four. 15 kids yeah and uh but ranging well, in ages from uh six months to 15 years old <laughs> and they get a ton of like close-up shots of the baby like reacting to stuff and it's the most expressive little baby you've ever seen it's really adorable i suspect that they at least just point into the camera at the baby for five hours at a time and just like that was various things it was just like we're going to be filming this baby we're going to get like raised eyebrows we're going to get laughter we're going to get crying we're going to get bemusement yeah we're going to get schadenfreude we're going to get everything we can get it gets like not just the typical like happy baby sad baby it gets like it there's a there's like a say what now baby face there's like they get they get all of them it's really nice it's very cute few kids yeah the the cute baby factor is off the charts i will say one thing about this movie that i liked and i can already tell you didn't like because you sighed heavily when i brought it up uh, Kevin in the Pollock. recap <laughs> don't be ridiculous i thought some of the action sequences were fairly good not battle sequences mind you but okay. the wagon chase in the first part where they're they're being chased by the evil queen's henchmen on horseback and they've stolen a wagon from the bar i thought that was fairly good like I understood what was going on. I understood where everyone was at a yeah. uh, at a particular moment, and I knew the stakes and uh, the way they got out of it. Somewhat made sense. Though I think my main problem with that sequence was 
the Lilliputians was. Oh kind of yeah, because they're all over that scene. As the later in the movie, they're kind of gone for a little bit, and, and I you're was, like, "Oh, this is great." And it was like, yeah, it was like when a fly, when you have a fly in your car and you, you're like driving and you can't get rid of it, and then finally, <laughs> like, you roll your window down and it flies out, and you're like, "Oh, Jesus." I never realized how much flies back in. Yeah. But then later in the movie, it flies back in. Uh, Uh, Yeah. They are. I mean, I will say everything, every compliment I'm going to give this movie needs to be negated by a few points because they may be present in the scene. Yeah. And they are, they are, I wrote down in my, my notes. I think we found our Jar Jar. Yeah. Like they are. It's just completely unnecessary because I get, they feel like, they feel like, um, what's his name from the Flintstones, the, the Martian from the Flintstones. I'm like, can everyone see, see these him? characters yeah. or is it just me? There's only really a handful of times when they react. where someone yeah. actually reacts to what they're saying. There's there's a scene where uh, Val Kilmer tells them to do something and they tells sort of get him sass him and he's, yeah. he yells at them and they, they run away. And then there's a scene where Val Kilmer or uh, where Warwick tells them to be quiet because yeah. they're going to get them all killed. And otherwise, they just sort of pop up. They remind me, actually, have you ever seen, There's, I think there's a political cartoonist who does stuff for, I don't think he, I think he might do it for the Washington Post, but he usually will have, he'll draw a scene, you know, in this instance, it would be President Trump and Brett Kavanaugh or whatever. And then in the corner, there'll be this little duck character who's also responding to everything. And no one else is responding, but the duck character is sort of like a surrogate for the audience. And I'm like... No one can see him but me. That's how I feel about these characters. They're just there, and they say a little quip, and then it cuts back to everyone else just talking. But you also can only understand, like, 40% of their quips. Uh, it's a shit show. Yeah, because they've got, like, an like a, a indecipherable accent yeah. sometimes. And sometimes you can't understand. And they're also, like, sort of squeaked up. Yeah, they've bit. got, like, almost chipmunkified voice. It's not quite that And, high, I mean, but. they could very easily be completely excised from the movie. Yeah. And it would be fine. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't get your Pollock fix, but... True, but I can always watch Casino. That's or true. listen to the Kevin Pollock show wherever you can download podcasts. Yeah. I just watch Indian Summer. <laughs> that was for one person in the audience, and it's me listening later. Uh, yeah, you can always <laughs> do that. Um, if you ever need a fix of someone doing, you know, uh, an Albert Brooks impression... Oh, yeah. Who's not Albert Brooks. Yeah. That's always nice. Love it. Uh, <sighs> what do we do? Okay. I will say, keeping on Oh, my... also, the sled scene. I know you didn't like the sled scene because you thought it was unrealistic. Um, but I kind of I mean, like silly the... is more my problem right. than, than... But I was fine with that because it was... I was like, yeah, sure, a sled. That's fine. Yeah. They get away on a shield going down a mountain. Even though... I mean, they start out in an encampment and they start going through what looks like a glacier. And I'm like, why is the mountain getting colder (laughs) as they go down? Uh, But I thought it was a good action sequence. Like I got immersed in it enough that I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Well, and we can get into this more later in the, if we want, as far as like, like the whole thing, but like the movie in and of itself uh, and this is hard to say when it's like, it came out in 1988. So maybe some of it was actually before other things, but it feels very derivative of a lot of different things. Like go on. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, a lot of public domain things like the Bible, Gulliver's Travels, uh, 
and uh, what was the other one when uh, uh, and the the Odyssey, which is like, yeah. it's one thing to like be an homage, but it's another to be like, oh, that's from. That's from that. That's from that. That's from that. That's from that. Like, and it felt like that uh, a lot. Uh, And anything that was remotely interesting that happened, it was like, well, that's a Star Wars thing, (laughs) which is obviously also derived from other things. But in Star Wars, even though it's it's derived from things and uh, like it's inspired by things, it doesn't feel as derivative to me. And maybe that's. I I would say it's the artfulness of the. Derivation, I guess. I mean, this is sort of one of my larger points, but um, Star Wars is very derivative of a lot of things. The hero's journey, it's derivative right. of samurai movies. Right. I mean, stuff that a million white male YouTubers have gone over 6,000 times. Um, but it, it does it in a very particular way and creates a lived-in yes. universe uh, that you can sort of follow along um, and it doesn't move, this movie moves a lot faster than Star Wars because it doesn't yes. feel like this one had a plan for a trilogy, whereas the original Star Wars can survive on its own because, you know, they blow up the Death Star. Yeah, the Empire survives, yeah. but they accomplished a big thing. Right. And if this movie fails, hey. There you go. They warred with the stars or whatever. Right. We gave you what, you, what we, <laughs> we promised. We battled amongst the stars. Um and and I feel like it creates a lived-in world. This one, it, on a budget, no less. Right. This one seems to have created a very generic-looking world on a huge budget. Yeah. Um. One of the the what my main note uh, was that one thing that Peter Jackson gave us in the Lord of the Rings trilogy <laughs> passed away, and he gave us this. <laughs> um, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he really took sort of an art history sort of perspective in when you have to deal with all these different races how do you differentiate them right like upon site for the audience so that you don't have to explain who these people are as thoroughly as you might in a book right um so if i have the elves you know if you visit a town that's run by elves it looks this way if you go to a dwarf civilization it looks this other way and if you go to a a hobbit town also known as Hobbiton, um, it would look this way. Uh, and he really did that very successfully because he was able to do a lot of the legwork that Tolkien has to do through explaining people's history right. and explaining people's names. Yeah. He can do it very quickly and visually. Like, here's what the elves deal is. Here's what the dwarves deal is. Here's what hobbits deals are. Um, I don't know why hobbits got multiple deals. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one, it just seems like everyone's in generic clothing. We're like forest. The Nell one is very, are very hobbit derived, but everyone yeah. else just seems like generic schlubby, like generic fantasy characters. This yeah. guy's got a skull for a face. Otherwise they're dressed in black. These people are dressed yeah, in yeah. light Brown, right. figure it out. And it's the castles look the same. Uh, and I mean, that's something that Peter Jackson figured out. And I mean, it's something that has spread out like even, I mean, it's spread out into other media now. Like I even noticed while I was playing the latest Zelda game that, when I went to Zora's Domain in the new Zelda game and to Goron City in the new Zelda game, whereas in like Ocarina of Time, yeah. every pot in each town looked the same. In right. this one, everything is styled completely different. And I was like, this feels very Lord of the Rings. Like right. everyone's taking a cue from Lord of the Rings. All the weapons that you might get from a certain culture 
look different. Well, it's a, it's just more it's more attention to detail. It's more yeah. effort into True. creating a world and and creating like a lived in world where you may not have the time to explain all the fucking history that Tolkien right. wrote down, but you can sort of like cliffs note it for the audience like, "Oh, look, here's elves and this is what their shit looks like." Right. And this is how they might respond to nature. All their their structures are built around nature, whereas dwarves dive underground yeah. and they build in geometric designs. I mean, it's very simplistic, but it works in a very like instantaneous way. Yeah. Whereas this movie is just like, ah, we were able to get the rights to this castle, so we're filming here today. Right. I don't mean to like portray it as lazy as that, but I mean, it's a real innovation that Peter Jackson, I think, Gets a, should get a lot of credit for in that he right. was able to create this language or I mean, he didn't create this language, but he was able to put that attention to that visual detail that a lot of fantasy movies might have overlooked that really does a lot of that legwork that I think why you see a lot of fantasy movies in the 80s struggling is they don't have a way to really create this world that you can in text like right. where you're reading about Ar- Aragorn, son of Arathorn, son yeah. of Barathorn. Um, Without one person like monologuing right. for 15 Without, minutes yeah, exactly. about their history. And then you're supposed to remember that. Or, and yeah. on top of that, like you noticed in this one, we couldn't turn on the closed captions, which yeah. are always helpful on Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't turn it on for here. For character so names, for place I, names. I called yeah. the, 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 the race of Hobbit-like people. I called them Elwins. I called them Elfins. And I called them Nelwins when I finally got it right. Yeah. Because I, you know, you just have to go off. What did he say? What did yeah. he say? Um, it's tough. Yeah, and especially like with character names and, and to, places. To Willow's credit, uh, the the movie's credit, like they didn't give. Unlike Lord of the Rings, they didn't also give their characters multiple names. Like, <laughs> so not only are there ridiculous names to remember, but then there's like multiple ridiculous names for each person, or at right. least each each main person. So. Even though I didn't really understand what that Mad Mardigan was the guy's name and that it was one word and that it was <laughs> how it was spelled. He wasn't a crazy Mardigan. At the same time, they didn't – every time they you know said a sound that sounded sort of like that, I was like, okay, they're talking to him. Right. You know what I mean? That's Bad Mardigan. Yeah. Bad Cardigan, I believe you called him. Bad Cardigan, yeah. Kathleen Madigan, I think. I <laughs> She's great in this. <laughs> I also Van Morrison. That was yeah. <laughs> I also I want to. I have a qualm with Ron Howard. Um, there are several scenes of Val Kilmer, nineteen eighty eight Val Kilmer. I should add, yeah. shirtless. Is this why? And you, are Ron you about Howard to... never gives us the goods. He kept shouting, "Give us the goods!" Ron <laughs> so you wanted a nude scene. I didn't want a nude scene, but like his shirt is off. Like, look, can we get a medium shot? It was always like face shots, distant shots. I'm like, give me a medium shot. Let me see what we're working with. Let me get like a, you know, a belt to face like shot. But instead it's like you got this beautiful man and you're like, well, let's have him like on the horizon and we'll shoot him from there. I'm like, come on. Maybe he had a, like a sort of disfigured chest. He didn't want to give you a medium shot. Falcomer had no disfigured chest. You made me watch Top Gun so I can answer that (laughs) with veracity. I will say this, another th- point in this movie's favor. And I if mean, this isn't about Valcom or Topless. 
It's I not. I will not accept it. It's not. Do you I will not to, accept it. Do you have more to go on no, with I there? Don't. Okay. <laughs> I've little. They they set up the stakes very well at the very beginning. Now, granted, they're biblical stakes, but still, they're at the very beginning, there's like, there's this fucking evil queen. There's a fucking baby that's been born that's been prophesied to take her down, and she wants to find it. Just like and Jesus. Kill it. Well, not really kill it, but essentially kill it. And I would have been fine if she was just like, I'm just going to kill the baby. I was like, why yeah. do you have to have that? But then again, you when they just, show her like hunting down, you know, and she's like there, she's there for it. She's not like sending oh, her minions yeah. out. She does eventually, but like she's, she's a the, hands on yeah, ruler. She's fucking there and she's evil and she's like killing mothers and uh, threatening babies and all this stuff. And you're like, this bitch is evil. But I like it. Well, no, I don't, I don't. I'm not saying that. <laughs> oh, but, wait, I, me neither. I don't like it. <laughs> that's the. That's the. It was a joke. It was a good. It, it, it kind of diminished as the movie goes on, but like that, you're like, well, shit, she's. Because sometimes they like just tell you how evil the evil character is, and then you're like, why are they? What? What are the? What's Why going on is Sauron so bad? He seems like he's a job creator. He's putting yeah. these orcs to work. What would they be doing otherwise? Yeah, he created. Uh, he gives birth to this whole new race of people. Good job, he's Sauron. Good, he's a good guy. I'm sorry that everyone else has a problem with orcs. Yeah, they seem fine. They seem fine. They're all right. They just got short teeth and bloodthirst. I will say, uh, in, in Bav Mordo, the evil queen, uh, she's played by Jean Marsh, who uh, played the Princess Mombi in Return to Oz. She's also, like, she's a British actress who's acclaimed. She's been in Upstairs, Downstairs, and other things. But the important thing is she was in Return to Oz. She is g- great in the few scenes she has, but that's my main problem with her. She disappears for long stretches of the movie. Yeah. And... She pops up again. You're like, oh, it's her again. Oh, thank God she's here. But she pretty much just gets to stay in her castle. She doesn't get to... She has a little bit of Sauron syndrome where she just sort of glowers in her tower and she never really gets to do anything. She is hands-on at the beginning at the where beginning. she's, you know, murdering pregnant women. But I really wish she should. She could have been, like, more of a force. Yeah. She sort of sends... Uh, one of the, the, the things we read online was she's sort of compared to Emperor Palpatine. And that's probably really... True. I mean, she yeah. has this skull guy right. and her daughter who are sort of combined a very Darth Vader yeah. type of character. Um, but she just sort of glowers in her her tower. I'm going to stick with that rhyme scheme. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, good. But good. she never really gets a good scene until the very end. Right. She gets a good introduction and that's sort of meant to like she coasts on that. Yeah, I wish she was more of a part of the story when so we could really, know, really grow to hate her or right. love slash hate her. One, you know, they could have just given her more to do in the tower scenes. She wouldn't even necessarily have had to go on after them. But I mean, like, sorry for the grammar in that sense. But uh, even if she did, like, the skull guy was completely useless, like, as a character. I mean, he yeah. was a little, he was intimidating because he has this, like, a skull mask. But, like, what did he do? He really actually just served to undercut the daughter character whose yeah. name completely escapes me. She really has Judy Greer. <laughs> uh, she has probably the most interesting arc, I guess, of the right. movie. Yeah. I mean, she serves her mother who is an evil She's witch the only queen. One who changes. Right. Um, and she, she, you know, she seems to be a very faithful servant. Even the, the mom uh, says, uh, the evil queen says, you know, I trust her more than one of her most trusted advisors at the beginning of the movie. So, I mean, we're supposed to say, like, oh, she's sort of like the, you know, 
the heavy in this this yeah. relationship. She's sort of the iron fist that goes out and like forces you know her mom's edicts. But like the skull guy comes up, you know he's got the cool black armor with the skull mask, and I couldn't even remember his goddamn name for until I actually looked you know, on the IMDb yeah. IMDb page. Um, to to realize what his name is, so he wasn't really a real character. Yeah, and I mean, if they had just sort of given his role and just combined it into hers, I feel like she would have been more substantial character, and her turning against her mom would have been more been impactful, more yeah. meaningful. Yeah. But instead, all I hear is how like how much of a badass she is, but I never really get to see it because she's either yelling at people or. Uh, handing off orders to Skullman or falling for Val Kilmer's life. Right, right. Her, Val Kilmer's leering, creepy, watching you while you sleep. Right, yeah. Forcing a kiss upon you, love stuff. So Cashmere exists in this world? <laughs> At one point, he says some, uh, uh, Val Kilmer's character, Mad Morgan, says something like, uh, I'm the best swordsman this, I don't know, in this side of cashmere or something like that no he uh, was uh it? willow's trying to convince him like that this baby is a princess like trying to oh, appeal yeah, to yeah. his han solo like rogue nature and saying you know this one's this uh girl's a princess and he's like oh she's a princess and you're a sorcerer and i'm the king of cashmere and i, I and we both went well so cashmere's a real place here <laughs> i guess so um also, okay, do we have to talk about the racial slur they use on this? Peck! They call him a Can peck. A P word, a P word. So clearly, like, they made this uh, slur up for the movie, but it's impactful. After a while, especially yeah. once everyone is saying it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's aimed at, at uh, Willow's character. Uh, it's a Nelwyn slur, I guess. Call I guess him so. a peck. Rude, but literally everyone says it after a while. I'm like, guys, this isn't cool. You can't just because you're all saying it doesn't mean it's okay. What do you think? The why did they have Migosh go home? Yeah, I really it was weird that did they just lose that actor? They were like, uh, we've uh, he's he's double booked labor laws, he's got to go. I don't know because he was, um, he seemed like a really sweet character, and it seemed weird that they really established him only to have him go home at the end of act one. I mean, maybe it was too much. Samwise Gamgee, like he seemed like he was like his boon companion. He was going to yeah. be there. He was his buddy. He was the one that first stood up to be like, I will escort Willow on this mission. And then as soon as, and it wasn't even going to get stuff. It was just that he was like, uh, Willow's mission is like emphasized by the woodwind wizard, whatever, yeah. the, whatever fucking shit. Just forests. And so he's like, I got to do this thing. Migash, you can go. And he's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Are you sure? It was way too much. Are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. And he's like, peace out. And But Migash, when he says you're sure, he's already like halfway down yeah, the trail. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was weird. And I think what made it weird is that we already sort of had a moment where everyone abandoned Willow and yeah. Migash. So it created this double take. Um, you know, just, the kind of assholes of the town that that were conscribed to go with with Willow abandoned them, the fr- abandoned like the baby and Willow, the first, you know, Daikini Mad Mardigan that they find. Yeah. Um, and that that fits with their character. They're like, oh, yeah, well, you guys are assholes and you just want to do like the letter of the law and not actually do right. what you really need to do. Uh, but Migosh stays, and then Migosh sort of turned away. You know, one of the things I thought while I was watching this, I thought of Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, sure. naturally. Um, 
Game of Thrones, of course, is a, what is it going to be, an eight-season show? And yeah. Lord of the Rings is a nine-hour uh, saga. Um, saga is ne- an, a word I've never said without irony. Nine hours? <laughs> I mean, the 12 hours if you watch the extended versions. Oh, I guess we're not counting the Hobbit movies. Oh, well, then we're getting into you're going to want to sit down, get comfortable, <laughs> bring a pillow because we're sitting down for a while. You're going to get bed sores is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, bring but some water. It almost follows those beats. Like, almost if there was more Willow, it would work a lot better because... Migosh could be fleshed out a lot more between that everyone else leaving and you could give him Migosh a reason being, to do yeah, that. Yeah, give him yeah. more of a character reason. And I feel like you could spend a little bit more time with a lot of these characters. It felt like like you were reading the Cliff's Notes of a movie rather than yeah. watching the whole movie. I was just trying to think. I mean, it I felt know, like it was running through these sort of fantasy beats, yeah. and it was like we could really spend a lot more time with these characters and flesh them out a lot more. I just don't even understand like a dumb reason why they made him go away. You know what I mean? Like there was like no reason whatsoever. Like he could have been in the rest of the movie and just been another character in the fray could have sacrificed himself or whatever. Like it could have been more weighted, you know, by like him dying or something, which not, you know, no, you really just want to kill me. No ill will towards me. Gosh, I'm just saying like he could have served some sort of narrative purpose. Yeah. It almost breaks the rule. I can't remember what Roger Ebert calls it, but he calls it, uh, it's sort of like a rule of like the financials of film. Like, right. A book can write as many characters as it wants, but a movie, like you have to, you know, you know, like if someone's appearing on camera, there's a financial reason they're right. on camera. They have a story beat that they have to complete. Like Kevin Pollack and other Lilliputian, they yeah. get Willow out of the prison yeah, when they're they trapped, the lock. Yeah. trapped by evil princess. Um, but Migosh doesn't have that, and it's sort of... Or am I forgetting something? No, I feel like he really doesn't have that moment where he justifies himself, and really? it really is like this moment... Or why didn't you just go home with the assholes? Well, partially because Migosh would be coupled with the assholes. But then why did you create this individual character who was very, like, charming and endearing? Why didn't you just not have him? I wouldn't miss him if he wasn't there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, and it could have been, like, he had to go home to, like look after his family, Willow's family or something, but they didn't talk. Like you're you're just at that point filling in the narrative gaps, like making up your own backstory. But yeah, I just, it was just, it was distracting to me because you're like, wait, we're losing me, gosh. And I thought for sure, even though I wasn't like thinking about this constantly, but I thought for sure something was going to happen. We were going to get like a B story where we cut back to, Migosh like, having sex with Willow's wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he I thought he to, said I had to take care of his wife. I have three kids. I didn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could have been it. Wait, can we talk about Bav Morda's death? Ugh. Did we talk about it? I don't understand what happened. I well, can't talk about it because I don't understand. She so gets fucking struck one, by lightning, I guess. In Act 1, Willow Turns has, red. There's red hold liquid. On. In Act One, God damn it! <laughs> in Act One, Willow has like a, a magic act that he does, yeah. and he tricks everyone into thinking a pig disappears. It fails. Yeah, um, the pig escapes from underneath the table. Wee, wee, wee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your pig impression. You're welcome. In case people didn't know what a pig was. Wee, wee, wee. Um, he pulls this trick on Bav Morda later when he claims to be a great sorcerer, and she doesn't buy it. Naturally, um, no insult, Warwick. Uh, 
but he he does the disappearing pig trick on her and she's like oh my god she she falls for it and she's like where did you send her give me her and she raises the wand to strike at him and inexplicably a piece of lightning a piece of lightning a slice of lightning (laughs) thank you um comes down and hits the wand and electrocutes her. She does not die like a person would die. She then turns into red dust. Well, and she like spills? She spills some red, red liquid, liquid, which then starts smoking around her, and then she uh, disappears into the sky. Inexplicably, never explained, which is not the only thing that is not explained in this movie. I'm not going to go off into a list, but I mean, there are many moments in this movie that yeah. are just like things that happen, and I'm just supposed to accept it. The troll. The troll. Oh, the troll. Like a troll appears, Warwick hits it with a wand, it turns into a two headed beast. Why? How does he know that? There's there's this running joke where Warwick is trying to turn uh, Rizelle into her human form, and he uses nonsense words three times to try and turn into a human form. And then the last time, she's like, try and turn me into my human form. And he uses normal words, and yeah. it works. And I'm like, wait, is there a completely different spell? Like, she tricked him into using a different spell? It doesn't make any sense! No, it doesn't. Verdict. Okay, let's do it. Damon Xanthopoulos, what is your verdict? I'm really torn on this, but I'm going to have to say your inner child is an idiot. Uh, It has some charm, and I couldn't blame you for wanting to check it out, but it's real piecemeal. And in a post-Lord of the Rings world, (laughs) I can't say that this is a good movie. Warwick Davis is charming. Val Kilmer is a handsome man, even though he never gets a real good chest close-up. But... It's Neither just, does work, Davis. It, that's true. Um, it really could use a lot more world building and just like the characters are really just sketchy. You can tell it's trying to follow the Star Wars template, but it doesn't it can't it doesn't like live up to the iconography that Star Wars is able to create in its in its first go out. Um, it's not able to create characters like Darth Vader or Obi-Wan Kenobi or or it comes closest maybe to Luke Skywalker, but yeah. it's just not as good. Yeah, there's like a yeah, you're in a child's an idiot. Uh, it's there's something there's lots of tangible like labelable things missing, but there's also something just that intangible missing. Like there's some sort of like. Uh, coherence is is one of the things, but like it I mean, just, not to sound like a douche, but world building, I feel like, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Give I me think, an idea that this place has a history or some sort of weight to it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what's missing. Yeah, and the, like because you do root for Willow; it's a good character. Like he 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 could use some more fleshing out, but like you you understand his motivations. You understand he's a good yeah. person. You understand he's a good family man, a good. Uh, husband, a good father, and his wife's name is Kaya. <laughs> he clearly remembers his wife's name. <laughs> nice <laughs> to his credit, uh, but not their anniversary. <laughs> Val Kilmer's character, I had less 
I, I enjoyed less because he was supposed to be that he's kind of Han Solo, the irascible, like you know. He was definitely the multiplicity, like copy of a copy of Han yeah, Solo. Yeah, but it was it was not quite there, and I don't understand like some of the beats. Like in the very beginning, he has messed up teeth, and then he just like wipe, wipes off his teeth, like it was a bit or something. But it was like, what was the bit? I don't understand yeah. what was going on, and. And, you know, it's kind of like a... Plus his wig is just like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. fall for Val Kilmer with black, jet black hair. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, the character beats are there. You, you can follow the Han Solo template, the, like, even the uh, later on... I guess love dust in his face, though. Like, it's like this yeah. weird... Uh, go ahead. I think I mean that could have that could have helped a lot with like if you have the secondary character where you understood their motivations more because eventually you know he is a good guy and he's on the side of the and it's not a, like as much of a turn like it is for Han Solo in Star Wars like you aren't you aren't ex- expecting him to be bad anymore by Act Two you kind of understand right. that he's like in it whether it's like his motivations are pure or not you don't know but like he's there he's helping out. Well, he doesn't get, I mean, Han Solo gets a few moments to say, you know, like to Luke Skywalker, like, don't follow this, you know, made up religion. Like, look, just have a gun at your side and don't trust anyone is essentially Han Solo's, uh, you know, life theory. And that's, I mean, he explains that. And Mad Mardigan, he sort of fades in and out of the story and he gets like spells put on him. Like he gets a love spell put on him at one point. So you never really, it never feels like Mad Mardigan is really concrete as as a character before they start doing all these whimsical like tricks to him. Right. Like that's so out of character, like, but we don't know the character. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this isn't as funny if... If I had already known Mad Mardigan as a character and you put a love spell where he's being all woozy yeah. around everyone, and if, and that if, would be charming, but it's not charming right now. Right. Because you don't have, yeah, you don't have the contrast of that. And, and of course, I mean, like, like lots of movies in 1988 uh, and before and around that time, like, obviously the princess character, like, needed a ton of being fleshed out to be more interesting. Like the, I mean, they do seem to make an effort that seems like it's following the princess Leia template Yeah, of like, we're going to yeah. take this trope of the, the princess in danger and turn it on its head. Like they did in, in star Wars. Yeah. To its credit. I mean, 1990, 1977, turn it on its head. Right. Not like 2018, turn it on its head. Um, and this one, I mean, you have uh, a princess warrior, you know, she is evil and she comes to switch sides, but in 1988 fashion, how does she switch sides? By, you know, being forcibly kissed by some creep who watched her sleep, who's on yeah. a love potion, who, you know... And then she, like, pouts sort of, about it because he was yeah. on a love potion instead of really meaning it. And then she escapes, and then she's kind of badass again, but then she's, like, smitten when she sees him killing her men. It's Right. It's, it's weird. Like, I get what they were trying to do. And I think that's interesting. I think the, the it's idea, almost interesting. Yeah, the idea of it is interesting. The execution of it is not interesting. Maybe this movie is just almost interesting. Yeah, I, this I whole that. movie is almost interesting. For me, I would say like it almost gets to the point where I could say your inner child is not an idiot, but it just never rises yeah. to that level. Yeah, agreed. I, I mean, th- I think for fantasy nerds like me, it was like here's a fantasy movie. Give it to me because no one is making any, so I'll have right. to take what yeah. I can get. But it's this isn't. Is this what you wanted? <laughs> this isn't right. 
what do you think, everybody? Email us. You're in shadows an idiot at gmail.com. What else do you want us to watch? What else do you want us to talk about? 615-576-0525. Call our hotline. Leave a message. We'll play it on the podcast. And I should mention, next week we will be looking at Princess Bride. Yes. Another fantasy movie from uh-huh. 1987. Uh, starring uh, Wallace Shawn and others. Um, so, <laughs> Probably someone else, isn't it? <laughs> Columbo. Um, <laughs> Columbo's in it. And, of course, Chris Sarandon. You can find us on Twitter at YICIAI. You can find us on Instagram at Aaron Childs and Idiot. You can find us on other stuff. You can uh, become a patron of this podcast, of this very podcast, Damon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Childs and Idiot. Me. I mean, I'm not going to pay my own salary salary <laughs> a joke another joke uh, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot i want to thank our current patrons including jacob grimm his honor the mayor jeremy t powlin oh wow joshua t nicholson <laughs> karen t curd larissa t maestro Dan T. McIntyre. Ghost in the T. Burbs. Oh, you, you can add <laughs> Ghost in T. Burbs. Jonathan I mean, Day. I can't change her name. And Jonathan Date. Thank you, guys. It's we a really appreciate it. T. Uh, we've had a, a lot of new patrons sign up lately, and we want to thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. You're helping us, uh, you know, keep doing this. It's a lot easier to do this when we don't uh, just have to pay a bunch of money to our hosting costs all the time. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Willow! There you go. Kaya! Willow!